Hey guys, it's T here. Thanks for tuning in to BNT Talk Sports. Me and Ben are truly blessed to do what we love and to share it with you guys, our listeners. We're very appreciative of the support that we get. And we are excited to publish this episode and interview with Ron Weaver. I would welcome you guys myself, but who better to welcome you than Tom Cruise himself? Everybody, and welcome to BNT Talk Sports. Thank you all for being here. Decades in the making, and so many people, our incredible cast and crew, worked very hard to bring you the most immersive and authentic film experience we could. There's real F-18s, real Gs, real speed. So we're so happy you're here in this theater and seeing it on the big screen. So please enjoy, as we all made it for you. We made this for you. Enjoy. There we go. All right. It is October 25th. We are in Provo, Utah. We are here with this B&T, and we're here with R. B&T and R right now. We're here with Ron Weaver. What's up, my man? How are you? I'm good, I'm good man. man. I'm good. I'm good. Appreciate you guys having me on. It's a good day. day. Yeah, of course. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, it is, it is a good day. It's it always a good day to talk about sports. So. It is. Uh Ron, why don't you get the people, because we just have, again, we're just so popular. We just have, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of of downloads, probably from our mothers. Uh, but uh, why don't you tell the people, you know, who you are, where you're from, what you do right now. And uh, I don't know, maybe like a little interesting fact about you. I mean, something that maybe the people don't know. Okay. Uh, let's see. So I'm from Chicago. Um, I go to BYU when I'm sitting here. I graduated in three semesters, so almost at the finish line. So next December, close. I see it. Trying to get there. Not trying to get the senior ice, even though it's kicked in already. Uh, <laughs> it's a real thing. I study uh, communications, specifically sports media. So I'm in the communications program at BYU. It's a fun time. I uh, work for ESPN 960. I work there as a reporter, uh, as a beat writer. I also produce uh, kind of on the backside when they need me. But my main thing is I'm kind of the insider reporter. Uh, beat writer guys so I, we cover all of BYU sports there men's and women's so we've been covering football personally um, I've been covering football um, I'll get my basketball credential probably later this week or early next week because um, they have the blue white scrimmage on Wednesday mm-hmm. I've been covering women's soccer which has been really fun I didn't get a chance to do that last year but they've still been on a good roll and I've also been covering women's volleyball so it's pretty fun um, I'm married my wife and I don't have any kids uh, don't want to do that right now we have a dog though um, and then I guess interesting fact, hmm. I served my mission in Mississippi, so I really like country music on the side. A lot of people wouldn't think that, um, but I, I really like the country music. So I like the Dan and Shea, Florida Georgia Line, um, you know, Jason Aldean. I like all of that. So I developed a, a love for that down there, and I came back and, uh, in 2017, and I've loved it ever since. So I guess that's the interesting fact is a lot of people don't really see a lot of when you think of, you know, just black or African-American people, you think of hip hop, R&B, you know, or traditional music. Um, but I like country music. So, yeah. Nice. Uh, I, I'm with you there. Uh, obviously, it's not no Mississippi, but, you know, we're outside Richmond. So we're at the tip of that Bible. Belt. Yeah, yeah you're at the top of it. You're, you're right in the thick of it. But, yeah, you don't, you don't hear a lot of people from Chicago saying they like <laughs> country music. That's for sure. Exactly. Oh, yeah. but no, we, no, we love that. That's super cool. Awesome. So, uh, so you're, you know, beat writer, reporter, 
at ESPN 960. It's with Ben Criddle. Um, how, so how, talk to us about like your career, like how did you get that gig? Um, or maybe even before that, what got you interested maybe in sports in general and then writing, reporting about it and then to where you are right now? So actually, when I came to BYU, I was going to, I declared as pre-med. I don't know who told me to do that. <laughs> but I, I think after Kim 105 and uh, physics, I think I learned my lesson uh, the first couple <laughs> of semesters. So I figured out what I wanted to do. And then I talked to, you know, I prayed to talk to my my parents and talk to other people. And they said, well, you really like sports. You really know a lot about what you talk about. You like numbers. You really remember a lot of good details. Like, ah, yeah. And I said, well, I don't really know if I want to go to journalism route, like, that enters in the sports, but do I really want to go that way? And that was the only way to really go. So I decided to do that. Then when I applied to the program, actually that year I was applying and I got in, we actually opened up a new track, which was brand new, which was sports media, which cover more of what I wanted to go into. So that was a blessing in the sky. So after like that year of trying to figure out what I wanted to do those first two semesters in the year, trying to figure out taking classes, what I want to be going into that 30 year school, I finally figured out what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be. And at that point, um, my wife and I got married that December. Um, so I was already in at that point. And actually my bishop, old bishop of uh, our married war is Ben's dad, actually. So I remember when we were meeting with him and everything, he was talking because uh, he's the type of bishop of like, where have you served? Where would you like to be? You know, not that he doesn't do revelation. Where do you think you would thrive? So um, I told him about sports and where I wanted to be. And he called me to be like the sports specialist for the ward. So I did like all the sports activities and things like that. So we played like basketball, softball, stuff like that. We did Mario Kart, like game, video games, anything related around that. That was competitive. I did. And he said, well, you know, my son's Ben, right? And I was like, your son's Ben Criddle, like the one that does 960 up in Salt Lake. He's like, yeah, I was like, you're, I'm like, you're kidding me. Like, I had no <laughs> idea. I was like, shut up, my mind. Um, I said something else, but I won't say it on the podcast. Uh, but I said something else and he just laughed. And then after that, um, he gave me Ben's contact information. I talked to Ben, uh, went up to the studio, got a chance to tour, got a chance to meet Ben like on a Sunday. Um, you know, sent him my resume. Ben needed an intern to do social media at the time. Um, so I did social media for them. And then eventually, uh, Bill Riley and Ben reached out to me and then I ended up getting a part time job. Uh, and I've been there ever since. So that, that was about, seven seven months that I was intern seven eight months no more than that and then I haven't really looked back since um so just it's it's just about working hard and I was trying to get a job I won't lie I was trying to stay and Ben was willing to keep me you know as an intern uh but it was very hard to get paid and then Ben Bill was like well who's this Ron Weaver guy what are these like you know who's this guy like these other invoices thing I keep hearing. He's like, Oh, well, he's my social media guy. And Bill's like, well, your team's rebuilding at the time. Do you think he's someone that you would want to add to your team? And he's like, almost oh, definitely, you know, and Ben gave his reasons of why Ben's like, well, you know, he played, he plays rugby at the time I'm done now, but he plays rugby at BYU. He knows the black community pretty well. He knows a handful of the athletes. He can connect that way. He has a really good personality. So I got the call in the email. And then after that, I, pretty much have been you know on the team since um I've been an intern so it's been really good so I've, I haven't really looked back ever since then and I just I just keep learning I keep developing keep thriving I'm just I'm grateful for uh Bishop Criddle I'm grateful for Mike Criddle for his dad uh grateful for Ben for all the experience and opportunities I learned because that has given me the opportunity to start my career um I want to continue it when I graduate with them so yeah that's awesome 
That's super cool. Um, I guess kind of a follow-up question with that is um, now that you're working right now, sort of you were talking about getting credentials uh, to do basketball and stuff. So what exactly have you been doing? You said you were doing some of the uh, beat reporting, some of the insider stuff. What does that exactly include besides maybe going to media availabilities and, and such? Yeah, so um, since I try to keep – I'll just say this. I try to keep <clears throat> both separated because I did play rugby and because I'm such a personable guy and I know a handful of guys, I try to let the guys know when I'm not working, whatever you talk to me about, whatever we discuss in our private life when I see you, I'm not going to report. Yeah. Um, I try to keep that separate, you know, and I feel that is why I have so many good relationships. Like I don't repeat what I hear with Jaron personally. I don't repeat what I hear with D'Lo and Malik personally, what I hear with Austin Rich personally, like that doesn't matter. It's not my job. My job is not when I'm discussing, you know, personal things or when I'm talking about their life to go when I'm on the show or tell Ben, Hey, I found this out. It's not my job. I keep that separate. So I keep personal life, the job separate completely. And I believe that is a big part of why I maybe get not get so much information of why I'm so close with a lot of the guys and the inside is not bugging people. It's knowing when to do your job and knowing when not to do your job. Yeah. Um, there's no point if I see them at the SAB or at Legends Grill or around campus and be like, oh, so how was the loss? Like, no, there's no point. I'm going to ask them about it when I go to practice on Tuesday. They know that. So there's no point to bug them about that and doing that. So more, um, I just wanted to say that first, but to give more intel of what that looks like, it's going to actual practices um, and being able to interview people, getting people on the show, um, asking people about that, uh, talking with uh, the football SIDs, the guys that are in charge, um, being able to uh, talk with them about, hey, are we allowed to do this? Can we bring this person on emailing, getting interview requests? So a lot of behind the scenes stuff, because a lot of the times people just think, you know, like how, you know, Tyler texted me, not, you can't just go up and ask someone, hey, can I interview? You have to work behind the scenes. So there's three, there's about two or three people that we go through to get those interview requests. Same thing with the basketball credentials. So if you look um, on ESPN 96, like last year when I was intern, I wrote a lot of the recaps uh-huh. um, for the games. I even went to the West Coast Conference and I'll be doing that again this year. But now the credential will be under my name specifically. Um, so I will be able to go there. So I emailed Tyson Jacks. Tyson Jacks is the person that's in charge of men's basketball um, and the Kings in charge of women. So pretty much talking to them um, about what's going on. So like Wednesday, we have the blue and white game. Um, you know, if, if I wanted to interview a certain player, I have to, you know, ask, I have to email that request. Uh, you go through the, you go through the SID people. You just can't go up to the players. Although I know Gideon, although I've talked to Foose, although I know Tanner, I know Trey Stewart. I can't just go to them like, Hey, Trey, can you give me this interview? Like I can't do that. I have to go through, the actual specific people. So that's what that entails um, of being able. So I mean, I go to the game, I have a credential, I go through the media entrance, um, and then I write a recap. And in the classes, you learn through the AP style writing of how to write uh, recap certain terms and certain terminologies. You really want to work on it. We call it a pyramid scheme, uh, not the one that is fake. The re- <laughs> yeah. pyramid scheme that's good, but pretty much it's the most important information at the top down to the least important information at the bottom. Mm-hmm. So let's say you know, like volleyball when I, um, I know we had the Rachel Richards incident, but when I wrote that uh, article, 
the most important information I put BYU sales out crowd for the first time in how many years. That's, that's a good stat that people want to know and then so forth and so forth. Mm-hmm. Same thing with soccer and basketball, stuff like that. When I write probably the BYU's first game against Idaho State, I'll probably mention BYU came into the preseason ranked number three in the West Coast Conference or tied for third in the West Coast Conference. Hussein Traore was ranked, um, you know, on all WCC team. He's one of two freshmen. Stuff like that. That's how you organize and do all that from top to bottom. So from the credential side, you talk to people to get the credential to interview people. And then once you get all that stuff that you've been taught in class and that you've learned, you transition to that to the recap data aggregation, all of that. So it's a lot that plays in factor. It's a lot of PR stuff, uh, mm-hmm. but it can seem like a headache, but in reality, it's not as much of a headache as you think. And that's the thing. Once you're on the team, um, once you're officially on the thing, you can do everything now. So back in the day, Ben would have to email everybody, and he still does in the football aspect, right, because he represents that. But me doing basketball, soccer, volleyball, baseball, probably next semester, Ben doesn't have to do that. I can just do that myself, which is nice. Nice. Dude, that's super cool. And I think that it's like really cool to hear because, you know, I think we're both big consumers of sports media and especially, you know, I love getting like any sort of if there's some sort of VIP board where people give out, you know, kind of insider information. It's kind of cool to actually know (laughs) like how that happens because that's usually kind of like a taboo kind of secret thing. So it's cool to get insight as to more how you get that information. That's cool. Yeah, no, like, like you said, we are very much sports media <laughs> consumers yeah. uh, and we try to do some producing like right now. Um, some people might not call this producing, <laughs> but, um, yeah. but no, we, we, we just have fun with it. So that's really cool that you found a, a path, a direction that you're passionate about and just kind of the, the doors that have opened and, the moving, all the moving parts have seemed to um, align for you. So that's really cool. I just from like a curious standpoint, uh, I'm not sure, you know, answer this to your own discretion, but what's kind of like been the most interesting experience or maybe interview or that you might've had with an athlete or, Mm. or someone within your role. I think maybe the interesting thing about it is the dynamic. I think of why, maybe I have so much fun to know why it goes so well is Mm -hmm. when you guys think about sports and you think about it, BYU, when you look at me, not saying that it doesn't fit, but when you look at me, you can tell I'm in the room. And, Mm -hmm. and I mean that in the most positive way and I'm not trying to flex, but I'm the only black guy in the media right now. Mm There is a, it's just the truth. So I think the guys, they see that and they know they play and maybe that's something they want to do later on when they're done. But when you see a guy, that looks like you, you're like, okay, well, you know, not only is he LDS, not only is he from Chicago, he's doing this, I'm playing sports, he's on the opposite side, that's interesting, you know, and I think at first when a lot of them were talking to me, um, when I went, because I knew Jalen Vickers from the jump when Jalen, before he went on his mission, so Jalen and I were kind of like the first cool tight ones, and I knew a handful of the Polynesian ones, but then as I transitioned to the black ones, I think a lot of them, because they're not members, you know, like Malik, D'Angelo, uh, Cody, I think a lot of that, even the ones that were I think once they met me and they realized like, oh, okay, so this dude gets it. It's like, yeah, you guys are a minority, but I'm also a minority myself. Like, yes, we both come from just, I don't think you guys understand. Like I'm a member of the church, but like I wasn't baptized until I was like 12. It's a little bit different. I also grew up in a big city, you know, where I grew up at was around all black people. I went to school to an all black boys school. And then they hear this, they're like, what? 
oh, wait a second. So once they heard my story in that aspect, it wasn't like I was weird, but I think at that point they looked at like, okay, yes, he's a member of the church, but at the same time, I, he's still black at the same time. Because that's a big thing. Um, you know, when you come to BYU and you're not a member of the church, especially when you're black and you're not a member of the church, you're yeah. like, huh? You're like, so what's that about? So when they see that, like, I went to an African diaspora thing last week and Gideon was there and we talked and Gideon was just kind of like shocked. I'm like, oh, yeah. and I was talking about my history, you know, my ancestors and things like that. And that was a big shock to him because for him, you know, coming from Mexico and being from Nigeria, not being a member, he's not used to hearing something like that. You know, you so much of being in these religion classes, these other things and your teammates, that's all you know. But when you meet someone else who's black and I guess a black member, that paves the way for them to understand what that's like. Of I know it's cool for them to see that experience in the church, um, you know, of me being that and then being outside, that is. But I think the I, the most important interviews that I have fun with right now, I, the, I don't want this to come off the wrong way, is the women's soccer team, man. They are just a fun group of girls. They just, they're just die hard. They just know, you know, they, they have their identity. They're very dedicated right now. Uh, they lost their their two top goal scorers, two two to three players to you know women's uh, major league soccer, and <clears throat> the captains on the team this year, you know, just being able to see Jamie Shepard lead that team, seeing Brecken Mazingo leading points. I've had a chance to talk with Ali Fryer. They're very young, but they're focused, and that's what I love right now about BYU sports. Even at basketball media day, when I had the chance to talk with Richie Saunders, Tanner Toulson, Trey Stewart, all these guys, even Rudy Williams to transfer, they're all excited for just what they can build. You know, um, being these young guys. So, but but my personal favorite, um, um, if if I had to give them a shout out, uh, personal favorite is probably going to be um, definitely uh, Jared and Malik. I love talking to those guys. Um, you know, being able to do that. Malik has pulled up to some of the events I've done. I uh, appreciate Malik. Shout out to Malik and him just being there. And then Jaron. Jaron's just a class act. Jaron is <clears throat> maturity-wise is someone that I look up to, uh, just who he is, um, being he's a member of the church. Uh, Jaron's biracial. Um, I'm married to someone who's white. So I just look up how Jaron lives his life. Uh, he's married to someone white. He has a kid. So I, I don't, I'm not modeling my life after Jaron, but hearing what Jaron says on the field, off the field and how mature he is. Uh, that's something that I, I carry close to, close to my heart. And I see a lot of the, and I'm not saying I guess principles, but values that of how Jaron feels and things like that. Like the last game, Jaron was the first one to the Liberty game. He beat coach to hockey there. Um, that's something I, re- I remember myself doing if we lost a game in rugby and the media was there, you know, and you played and you you wear the captain arm sleeve on your band and things like that, and you don't perform. And you, people are looking at your coaches like, is it them or is it you? And you're like, no, I play terrible. You know, I like looking at him own that. Um, Jaron doesn't make excuses, and that's what I love. And I, I've loved that. You know, he, he truly is uh, – he represents BYU really well, and he represents the quarterback room well in that team. And he's a good kid, and he's a good he's a good man. He's a good husband. He's a good father. Uh, personal insight take every time you come out of the interview room, you see the Hall family. You see his brother, KJ, there. You see his wife. You see his daughter. Um, you see his dad. You see his mom. Good family. Uh, good people. And honestly, that just it, – it, it, it shows me inside. If my, if my kids ever play college sports, it shows me the type of family. It's giving me an example of how I want to model my life. 
Um, you know, they don't shun people. Jaron stays to interview. He stays to autograph everybody. He talks to everybody. He doesn't push people. He'll be with his family. He'll step away. He's all for the Cougar Nation. He's all for the people. Um, he represents BYU and the principles and the core values really well. So, mm-hmm. uh, I obviously you have more information, but we've had the chance to interact with Jaron. Jaron just a little bit, probably like so, five minutes. Yeah, just yeah, a few minutes. But and obviously what we see through the media, and I can totally see that. Yeah, he's just seems like a really awesome, super nice guy, and yeah. also he's just a great athlete. So that's a uh, that's really cool that you're. You have all these, I mean, just various experiences and connections to tie that to. So, uh, and I guess I have a question that's more like along like the social political aspects, uh, and then we'll maybe get more of your sports stakes here. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you've already said it. Um, you, you're there's not a lot of black people in the state of Utah, just in general, right? Especially on BYU campus. Um, and if you see a black person, they're likely are they're likely student athlete and so um and you've touched on this a little bit but how how has that impacted your experience here uh in the sense of uh being able to be that bridge between BYU and the black community uh being like the church the bridge way between the church and maybe these non-members you know you spoke of Cody and Malik and Angelo and you know etc and so how and you know, obviously we can't relate. We're two white kids in BYU, so we don't. Yeah. We definitely <laughs> we're just part of the we're part of the crowd. But yeah. uh, in that sense, of the word. But yeah, you said yourself. You know, you're in the room and people notice you. Um, media room, people notice you. So would you say like how's that maybe aspect impacted you positively? And then have you had any more or less negative experiences or what? Just I guess tell us from your eyes, like what what do you experience from that aspect? Yeah, good question. I'm glad you asked that. First of all, just to address that's an uncomfortable question for white people to ask people at BYU. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just that, then the bigger part is when black people answer, when they tell that, then white people get uncomfortable because they're like, Well, I don't know what to say. And the problem is what I look at when from the gospel standpoint is when someone tells you a negative experience, just life in general. But then when you break it down to color, whether it's racist, discriminatory, sexist, we do a terrible job in the church, which is not supposed, the ideal is supposed to be come join all, repent, we love all, right? We're supposed to show that. That's not what comes out of people's mouths. Um, And I tell people, you know, because I was talking about my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law, he was, you know, you can't uh, let a few bad apples spoil the whole branch. And I said, I agree with you. I said, but with that also being said, after those bad apples have made the brand sour, people don't want to join the brand or want it anymore at the same time. Uh, and, he, and, he, and he said, that's true, too. I said, both of these can be true. And that's the thing. Society wants us to pick one. And I'm like, both can be true. I, I agree with that. But with that being said, once this happens enough and this happens, I'm not going to fault people if we keep having these issues. And with that being said, I've had a lot of positive experiences. I know a bunch of people now that have had no positive experiences. Um, people not in the media, just regular students. And I, I feel for them. Um, my heart hurts because when you hear these negative experiences over and over and over, in my mind, I'm like, damn, can they get a positive experience for once? You want that. But but people don't get that. And you cannot you cannot say, well, these these people are at fault then because people are going to be held accountable for how they treat people. I don't think people understand that to a degree. 
And for me, I've had a lot of positive experiences. Everything in the media has been positive for me. I've had no negative experience um, in the media. All of my negative experiences have come as a regular student. Um, you know, every athlete to a degree, whether you're playing a club sport or you're actually a student at Division One athlete, you're going to deal with heckling from fans and things like that. So you're going to see stuff. That's that's a part of it. Um, I really don't put that to a degree. Fans are going to be fans. I can correct that behavior I, when I'm there at the game, and I don't really, mind. I don't really not mind, but that doesn't affect me too much. Yeah. But as a student, um, unfortunately, I've had friends be called the N word um, in class. Yeah, it sucks. I've been called the N word in Provo. I've been called the N word in Orm. Um, you know, we had the the thing in the church with Brother Wilcox. You know, and that whole thing that happened and things like that. Um, I was at a Afro Latina panel and you, this is why I don't believe in polls being anonymous because I don't like people hiding behind certain faces. Uh, but you had someone ask straight up, why are black people scared of the police? Well, maybe if they just followed what they say, they wouldn't get killed. Why are black people on food stamps? There's a lot of, whether it's ignorance or whether it's pure racism, whichever it is, the point is that that's wrong. Right. And the problem is BYU and I, and I want to make this very clear because I don't want to seem like I'm attacking. BYU and the church are one. I need to have people like understand it. Now, there are levels in how people go through. But President Worthen reports to someone that represents the church at the church office. Don't get that twisted. A lot of people want to get that twisted. Elder Holland, from people from what I've told, is very involved with BYU and those, you know, in the office. So people need to understand that if the brother wants something taught at BYU, it will be taught. If they don't want something taught, it won't be taught. So people can't say that. But the problem of where things get twisted and why we're having so many of these problems is the business aspect. I'm not trying to be rude. When people get a paycheck, morality goes out the door, period. Because you have a job that you're working for now and not service. That's why the change has been made in Bishop Bricks. And I'm in the Bishop Bricks, so I can say this, of why you have young people now. Because they got to a point where they're like, representation does matter. We need people our age. Not saying that, you know, the old men, you know, older men can't get it done. They're not qualified. They most definitely are. Well, definitely maybe, have, maybe having somebody who's maybe 26 in grad school and has a kid, maybe having him in the bishop brick or the first counselor might help. Still have the men, you know, who are older be the bishops because young people, we don't have all those experience. But maybe having different things and I believe that's why maybe with my ward and things I've seen, it's not that, not as bad as people would maybe think it would be, but all of my negative experiences have been outside. And it's just, it's unfortunate because BYU doesn't know what to do. And I'm a big fan of be prepared in all aspects, just because my, both of my parents were in the military. You know, I was raised really differently. My mom said, be prepared. She's like, white people can shoot up school. Black people can shoot up school. And she said, and she made, she didn't make it very specific. She's, anybody could do this and you need to be prepared. But the problem is BYU is not prepared. Like the whole Rachel Richards thing, regardless of what is true or what's not true. She said she heard something. <clears throat> we needed to take action. They did the best they could with what they had, but we should have already been prepared in that situation. Yeah. That's the that's the problem is we don't have that. Then you have to understand that BYU, because of what the brother and Sarah, whoever's that middle person above that, that they have to report to, whether it's Tom Holman talking to someone present with them, they're not just going to be able to say anything that they want. Athletic communication is going to have to have somebody that's going to agree to it. And it's going to go the gospel way. It's going to be, we need to love one another. We need to go this. And to me, I think that hinders BYU a little bit. You need to call it what it is. Call it racism. Call it discrimination. 
if you call, and that's the problem. It's so hard. I feel for just, and this is just the overall point. It's not you guys, but white people, people at BYU, just to say that was racist. That was an. It's it's very hard for them to say that, and you know why that comes because if people say that, then they feel they have to admit that the priesthood ban was racist. And let's just be honest, it was because when you think about everything that we believe from A to a million Z, if God truly loves all of His children the same, there's no way He would tell a prophet, "Hey, these people can't do this." There's no way. That's impossible. And it's oh, and here's the thing: just because Brigham Young, what in my opinion was racist or did messed up things doesn't mean the church is not true mm. doesn't mean the church is not true but people will continue to believe that if you defend negative behavior and negative actions it's like i tell people all the time connecting the same principle it's like the henry ruggs thing right he henry ruggs unfortunately killed an innocent lady we all believe that the, he needs to serve time in prison and that is yes it's unfortunate what happened and that did that but that's a consequence of his action would you believe that in court because he has money that lawyers are finding evidence to throw medical records out. Now, to me, I don't care if he's black, white, Hispanic, what to me, that's wrong. You can't do, you can't do that, but we don't do that. We don't look at it in a way. We don't say because of that. We always look at, we're always looking at the the person instead of the action. And we need to look at the action more and say the action is wrong. Unfortunately, you are just a person, a part of the action that represents something. It's like Brad Wilcox. Brad Wilcox to me wasn't calling for his job, him to be released, was calling for him to apologize to a group of people across the world for how the hurtful thing you said and what you insinuated. I appreciate that he apologized to me. I appreciate that he apologized to all the other black people in the room, that he was sorry. But I first told him the first apology you gave was not really an apology. You said you were embarrassed. That's just a given. You should be you should be more careful as being a leader of the church. But then on top of that, you also apologize to us which i did accept and i've forgiven you but what about the people in georgia that have no idea who you are i was that read that at face value what about the people who i baptized in my mission that struggled with this that asked about this you know that didn't really want to talk to my white companion and i'm trying to bridge a gap and a barrier to say hey that's a negative mindset you have that's been portrayed by society there are good white people you can't have that you can't live your entire life thinking that that's not really going to help you what about people in africa who are a completely different culture and that that hurt that that is what i was pushing for that's why no more written apologies verbal videos even if you want to write what you're going to say verbal videos will help because to me if someone can see something and you're saying something back to them that's going to hit them twice as hard than that it's like think about it if we did light the world through just the rhetoric the whole time it wouldn't have any impact it wouldn't do anything for us not whatsoever. But the reason why the light the world catches so many people's attention, because it's a video. We can see that. We can look at that. And to me, in the media, I've had no negative experiences at all. Um, and that's helped me be able to connect with the Black athletes here on campus. I'm really cool with them. A lot of them follow me. A lot of them talk. Um, I've gone to their, some of their birthday parties. I'm not going to say who. But I, I feel that if there's something that they struggle with or something happens, I wouldn't be the first person they would come talk to. But if I came across their path, they would. You know, a handful of the track girls. And they asked me, they said, how is that being able to be LDS? How do you balance that, you know, with everything that's going on? And I tell them, it's because of the positive experiences I have and the support system I have. I said, but my, and I said this, I said, I know there's a lot of people that are done that have tried. But for me inside, and I said, I love the people and what they're doing outside. I said, I love all the action and the things that they're doing and how they're trying to get that focus. I said, and that is, that puts good light on it. 
I like that. I said, but for them to actually change what's going on inside, they're never going to listen to those outside because they're always going to see it as extreme from a political standpoint. So you need someone in the inside to be able to help them. And I feel that I, I'm not taking the burden upon, but I feel that person is me because I speak up when I need to. I say, mm, that's not it. No, that's not right. Um, you know, and I, and I make sure that I, I don't care about how people's feelings and if they feel comfortable or not. That's not my, my job is not to care if you're comfortable. My job is to change your mindset. I don't care about your opinion. You can believe what you can believe, but the mindset is what we need to change. And that is what I address. And that's ultimately why I fight and I stand, why I'm inside and why it's not, I feel hard for me to a degree is because on my mission, I dealt with a whole bunch of racist things. I deal with that. Not going to reveal any names, but dealt with some companions that didn't see eye to eye and some other things. Had to deal with that. So I felt I already went through a time period in my life where I couldn't leave. And I will, and I knew I was on a mission for this purpose. I paid for a portion of it. I was like, I'm not going home. But yeah. that helped me to already deal with what I was going to deal with now at BYU. And that's why it's so easy for me to call it out. That's why it's easy. And not just white people, black people too. When black people say, yeah, frick all white people are... Yeah, I'm not dealing with these ignorant people. I'm like, so you can't have that mindset. I feel that prepared me easily um, to get to that point of where I'm at now. But in the media, I've had all positive experiences. Um, there's a bunch of guys I've talked to. No one has ever felt that way. And I mean, they. I know that we had the Rachel Richardson thing. They asked me, they've asked me that. Jaron, who you guys had on last week, had, you know, asked me like, how is that for you? You know, what is it? Uh, and I said, for me, it's like, it's interesting. I said, right? Because I, I said, I feel like I can't take a side, right? I said, I feel like if I if I too much with the white people, black people, oh, yeah, yep, he's not black enough. And then with certain white people, it's like, oh, he's not white enough. You're too black. Like, I feel like because of that, and then also because of being in an interracial marriage, I feel that they're, they're, you can't win either way. So I feel the only way to do, you can't. It's impossible to win because both sides are looking at it like, oh, okay, well, you, you either conform or you conform because you don't want to be over here. And that's not the truth. The, the the best way for me is right here, where I'm at right here, and that's where I stay. And I'll take both things from here and there, and I'll jump here and I'll jump there both ways. But ultimately, I, I focus on right here, the action. What is the action? Because lots of the times people look at, oh, this person's racist. Not necessarily. Did they do something that's racist? Correct. I agree. But what was the action of the person? Was the individual actually doing that? Or were they just insensitive and ignorant? Not giving them a pass, but... You got to be very careful now with social media, with me being in the media. I'm very careful with what I say, how I say it, how I pin it. Because once I say it, it can't get taken away. Once it's on Twitter, it's out. Once it's on Facebook or the internet, it's out. And I cannot take that back. Someone has screenshotted it. Someone has read it. And at that point, it's like when Tom Homo put out the article through the Desert News. I posted on my Twitter and got a lot of interactions. I said, Tom Homo posted this article with such and such regarding this. I said, this has answered some of the questions I've had. Didn't say what those questions were, obviously, right? And then said, I invite, regardless of what your opinion is, whether you think it, whether you think she's lying or she's not, I invite all to read. And unfortunately, I hate to say that in the BYU community, you're going to have to go a conservative approach until you're in the room behind closed doors, which sucks, right? You're going to have to do that. The only, and here's the thing, the only way I've learned to target a direct issue when I want to is you have to apply the gospel to it. And that's the sucky part about it. But I'm hoping we can get to a point where we can get past that because I am personally tired of where I have to involve Jacob or Jesus Christ or talk about a scripture in Matthew. We should be able to say, this is a problem, let's deal with it. 
not this is a problem. Price wouldn't do that. That that should not be a trigger point to get people to listen. But unfortunately, that is where we're at. You just you have to know your audience, and I understand my audience. And in order to get people listening, you have to you have to say things. You have to you say what you want to say still, but you still have to say what you want to say and the way that it's going to get the audience to pay attention and to tune in as well. Yeah. Uh, well put answer i think uh first thanks for like like you said it's, it's not a very quote-unquote comfortable topic especially for especially here at byu as, as byu students um not, i know a lot of people might not know how to answer or, or even mm-hmm. approach these situations and so i appreciate you being so open with us uh i i know we grew up together so i can speak for him too like we've been very blessed um grow up with great families, uh, great parents. You know, I look at his parents as like second parents and like, uh, I feel like we were, you know, taught very well and, and we're not perfect by any means, but we very much try to um, be, you know, just treat everyone equally with love and kindness and whatnot. Um, and we're also lucky to have grown up uh, outside the Richmond area in Virginia where there is a lot of diversity, uh, but not a lot of people out here in Provo especially have had that same um, yeah. experience. Again, I'm not saying that we're <laughs> perfect or anything, uh, but I, I do, I do, I can see where that can cause issues and can be, again, just uncomfortable for some people. And, uh, and I, I, I know at some point in time, uh, there'll, there'll be a point where that won't be uncomfortable that we can openly talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> Ooh, I agree with you. Um, you know, hopefully sooner than later, but uh, I think there's still plenty of work to do. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for sharing that. I, uh, yeah. It's going to be our generation. I, I, I've told people, I told my sister this because we were talking about it. She's like, I just don't know when that change will come. And I said, it's on. So I said, you're not going to hear this, but you know, I think you know what the answer is. I think unfortunately it's just, it's going to be our generation. And then my, I'm like my sister who's 20, who's going to be 20 um, this month. Is going to be us, the generation after I said, I'm not trying to be rude, but the boomers, whoever, whoever, whatever it is after that, they're not going to be the people to change stuff unless, the, unless there's ultimate pressure. I said, it's going to be us. I said, so my goal is that when I have children and when they're my age, it has been changed because right now it's not, like you said, it's not going to be changed when I graduate. If I go to grad school, it's not going to be changed when my sister graduates. This is going to be like a 10, 15 year thing. Yeah. So and yeah, and hopefully, hopefully it comes soon because obviously, I, I think we all want the same goal to be happy, right? But uh, yeah. some people just don't see it that way. So, but well, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Well, let's talk a little sports now, more more in depth on your takes uh, here, and then we'll just wrap up. Um, let's talk about the obvious, man. Uh, let's 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 talk BYU football first. Yeah, um, our families. Again, Liberty is only Lynchburg, Virginia is only a couple hours away. So, uh, but what's what's your take, man? What's going on? What's uh, again as diplomatic? We understand you have to be pretty diplomatic here, but um, what's going on? Yeah, we're giving you a broad question, but we don't. (laughs) We're so lost that we can't give you a more specific question than what's going on. (laughs) Guys, I, I I I was just about as lost as you were. Yeah. Um, we went up 14 to three. <clears throat> I went to the bathroom. I had to take a phone call um, from my mom. That was important. And I came back and we were losing. And I was like, what happened? 
And you know me, I have YouTube TV, so I go back and watch with Turner Break and I'm fast forwarding. And I'm like, okay, you know, Liberty made some good plays. Got to give them credit where credit's due. Um, that was a give up game. Uh, just from the sports take that that broken, you are broken. That's what that was. That was no fight. You saw in the Notre Dame game. You saw the fight. You saw in the Arkansas game. You saw the fight of trying to get back in the game and staying around. But that that was pure. We just gave up. Yeah. On both sides of the ball. On care like and i and i love them and it's not and they know it's not personal but the offense gave up the defense gave up period yeah. and the coaching staff i think was lost for answers i think kalani sataki is like well, what do i do in this moment i mean and i know there's the meme going around of him saying f-bomb but he legit is, that's literally li- literally when you're in the moment from playing in i've been in rugby games where you're up by 14 and then you're down by 17 i, I know that feeling you're like what you you like you can't stop it you're in the moment you're like if i had the answer to fix it i would do it right now i would but when you're in the moment there is no answer sometimes yeah. i hate to say you have some of those and that was one of those games in byu history where there was it wasn't there and you saw it and i'm not, and if i'm going to be honest the offense can only hide the defense's bad play for so long now, granted, this is Jaron's Hall, worst game of the season. Like I said, Jaron was the first one to the post game because Jaron wanted um, to be there. He took accountability. But you you see that. You see the offense cannot hide if a defense is going to continue to give a 500-plus yards total offense. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's bad. Yeah. I think what you saw to a degree is um, I think we think of this game, it's still very disappointing. We're upset if we lose – 4134 exactly you know? i'm okay but it like that is insanely frustrating and we're frustrated and we're having still se- so, some of the same conversations but the fact that the offense i think what we saw yeah as you said it was the offense wasn't able to hide the issues on the defensive side of the ball especially i think you know kalani satake put himself has put himself in a vulnerable situation by being very pub, and I respect this, but by being very public and upfront that the defense is him right now. He's representing the defense. He's calling the defense. And so I think that, yeah, it's just, it's tough, but you know, I think, uh, what do you expect going forward? What, what do you expect the response to be? This can go either way, man. This can go, uh, if you're BYU and I, people can talk about it all the time. <clears throat> when you're in season, you talk about certain matches, certain games, certain bowl games and things like that. I know that they've talked about if we don't win Friday, we're not bowl eligible. I know they've talked about that. They won't admit that and they're not supposed to. And I respect that they don't. But the, they know Boise and Stanford on the road. They know. Oh, they know. They know that those are not looking like winnable games. You're always going to say, if you're on the team, it's a winnable game, 100%. What are you supposed to say? Like, it's like the Chris Paul thing. Yeah. What, no, what you think we're going to lose game seven? What, bro, I'm on the team. What you want me to say? Like, no, <laughs> it's like that. <clears throat> so that's why I'm never going to ask them that because what, 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 what do you want me to say? Yeah, it's over. We're going to lose on the road. <clears throat> but there's a mental part where you're like, yeah, we got to play at Boise. Mm, yeah, that's a hell. We got to play at Stanford. Ooh, yeah, that's 
ooh, we nicked up right now. Gunner still hasn't been playing. Yeah, Puka dealing with some stuff. Ooh, Cody came out loud. You you may not want to say those things, but when the writing's on the wall, when Jaron's in the quarterback room, when you're sleeping at night, you know these things. Why do you think you have practice? Because you have to plan around some of these things. So you know. But right now, one game at a time. That's all you can do. Yeah. You can talk about we want to be bowl eligible, but what you can control right now, you know for sure, is two things. You have two home games left. You got to protect home field. If you protect home field, you're bowl eligible. Focus on that. I know a lot of people say, what about the road? It's like, I know at home, I don't want to lose. We will not lose. So I can win two more games. I can give us six and four. and We can address Boise and then Stanford as we come. But for me personally, that is that that's what the conversation should be. One game at a time right now, what works on offense and what doesn't work on defense. They can simplify the defense they want so much. To me, I don't think it's necessarily a defensive scheme problem. I don't think it's what they're calling. I think it's that BYU defense, they struggle with wrapping up an open field tackle and they're not. Also, we want to look at the numbers. Look at BYU's recruiting defense over the years. BYU's been like the 59th, 65th, 61st, I think 78th. And unfortunately, it's caught. it has caught up to them a little bit. People don't like that, and that's fair. But the hard part is because you've gone 10-2 and two or 10-3 and three in these past couple of seasons, now you're looking at it of, well, hold on, we did this last year with half of these same guys. Uh-huh. So why, why is this the end result right now? But that is because of – it's truly coming to that point. I'm not trying to be rude. I love Talon Alfrey. I love Ethan Slade. But we're starting to see defenses pick apart because we don't have good depth at safety. Yeah. Guys still need to develop. Ethan Slade and Talon Alfrey are good backup guys, but you're seeing that. We're seeing what's happening with Malik being out. We're yeah. seeing that. You're seeing the experience and the depth of that. But this is also good, though, because – this is why Kalani Sitaki went and got three-star guys that were that were getting offered from Baylor and TCU. That's why he brought those guys in the room. He brought those guys in the room early, and I think what they're going to do in the offseason, okay, we saw this happen last year. Michael Harper is a good safety. Michael Harper lays good hits. He can read. He can come down. He's not the best open field tackler in, in passing scheme, but maybe we need to go get a guy that can do that. You know, they're going to make adjustments in the offseason. I never call for people's jobs. But I do have expectations. I believe you're going to see a change in defensive coordinator at the end of the year. I just believe you're going to see that. Because to me, looking from an analyst point, the conversations doesn't make sense. First of all, me and my personal opinion, you don't admit that you didn't have answers as a coach on national television. Don't think you ever should do that. That's just me personally. I'd never admit that. I'd, and I'm not saying lie, but don't do that. Don't admit, yeah, I didn't have any. No, no, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time, time. I'm supposed to be able to trust you. You can't tell me that. Like, well, if I'm a regular fan, you say you lost fans. Well, I don't have them, and I trust you. Now you say you don't have them. Well, whoa, 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 whoa. If that's the case, who's supposed? Okay, well, Kalani got to take over. That that's you, don't ever. I tell people. I, I I hate to say this. I have lied in rugby. Oh yeah, we're gonna beat them. Even when I knew we wasn't gonna beat them. I yeah. hate to say that. My yeah. coach like that. You, you, your job is to make sure you present. You cannot say. You cannot. And I and I appreciate the honesty. I do appreciate the honesty, but when to, you're to a degree, but when you when it's gone bad so far, don't do that. Like I just didn't like when when he did that. I was like, no, 
don't say that. And here's the thing. They did make changes. Elijah was not in the box. Elijah was down on the field next to Kalani. Kalani wanted to hear the calls. Yeah. And Kalani calling defense, there's going to be some adjustment a little bit. Kalani did this kind of thing 2018. In the first game, if people go look at the numbers that he called the defense, they scored 41 points, and we lost that game. I think it was 41-23. It's going to take time for Kalani to get back into it because when you're a head coach and you're doing other things, just like any any skills, you got to resharpen. It's like if you take time off from the gym for two weeks. You're not going to be weak. You might struggle through it, but the muscles are going to be sore because they haven't necessarily done that. They still have muscle memory. You just have to build back up to that. So I think my high end, I believe, I don't know what's going on, but I believe that they're going to win the next two games because now with Kalani calling the defense, I think after East Carolina, he's going to be like, got it. I know what to do to stop Boise State. I know what your strength is. I know what your weakness is. I'm going to make your weakness. I'm going to make sure you do that. And I think it's t- I think the adjustment and the time is made because I'm I'm always about adjustments. It's time to make that adjustment for the fact that they're doing that. I believe they will do well, and I believe you're going to see a lot more man coverage. I know people don't want to hear that, but I believe Elijah gets a little bit scared because you see D'Lo get beat on the first first drive. You see Caleb Hayes mm-hmm. start to get nervous of uh, maybe that's not the best idea. Yes, correct. I, I understand why you're getting scared. But at the same time, what happened on those first two drives? There was a field goal and a turnover. Yeah. Until you've had maybe a first half play, then do that. But you cannot play zone in the red zone. Don't, I, don't, I, don't care what, I don't care if you're an NFL defensive coordinator. You are, you, I've watched a lot of football, and I played football. You're not playing zone in the red zone. Inside the team, you're not the new. When I saw that, and I'm watching George Udo on coverage, and the guy goes right by, I was like, I'm not blaming George. That's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. It was like, first of all, when you think about it, it's going to say what Ben. Ben has been saying this on Twitter, and there's been a lot of interactions. Zone coverage is not cover grass. We have a real problem with that. When you drop back and you have a zone, okay, cover two, basic cover two soft shell zone. Literally, what you have is you have the two safeties. They're going to take either the outside or the inside guy. From playing DB and from, play, from playing both those positions, you're going to take the outside guy or the inside. You make that decision quickly. You're going to read the quarterback. You're going to see the route. You're going to take that. Linebackers are going to take the flats, and you're going to have your offensive line push. With that being said, BYU, does, we do not do a good job of when a linebacker – not linebacker – when a tight end comes off, we are so much in the backfield that when a linebacker runs past us, we don't take the guy behind us, the guy in front of us. That's why 87, 87, not going to say his name because I still don't like to say his name, but he's a great tight end for college. 87 was ripping us apart because when you play the, when you play zone like that. All right, you're talking 87 from Notre Dame. Notre Dame, I'm talking about Michael Mayo. Yeah, I said his name. He can pick that apart. He can pick that apart all day because when you play a zone and you're not matching people up in zone, you can do that. It's like if I have, if my zone's right here, and I'm dropping back, and I got this area, and Tyler comes across. That's not keep dropping back. That's the minute I see it, adjust now in zone, and take take Tyler who's coming across on this crossing route. And yeah. if the ball is thrown, try to get up there and make a play. That's the thing is we're dropping back, and guys are running right past us, and we're, we're covering routes. We're not matching up with routes. You have to match up with routes and zone. But you're going to see a lot more man coverage. But back to that Virgil point, I think he got nervous because he saw D'Lo get beat. D'Lo's 6'1". He's an undersized corner. I hate to say that. You know, against a guy that's what I think the receiver was six six. It was a great ball by Bennett by the quarterback and a great catch. 
You know, D'Lo was there the whole way. He just that, that's just a great play. Great ball, great play. Okay, those are gonna happen. You think the quarterback gonna do that the whole game? Not, I personally don't think that. I'm going to dare you to beat me again on that. Great. You're living off the hype. It's a sold-out game. It's the first quarter. Great. First drive. I love that you did that. Can you do that in the third quarter with six minutes left? Can you do that in the fourth quarter? I'm going to challenge you a little bit more now once you start getting pressure. Yes, yeah, sure, Caleb got beat. But th- those things are going to happen. That, that's And that's okay if guys get beat in man coverage. But don't get nervous. Don't get scared and be like, well, I'm going to give our guys a chance and drop eight. Okay, yes, that's not a bad thing to do. But when we're struggling in the zone, we can't match up routes. Is that maybe the best scenario to do? Maybe it's get people, let guys play one-on-one, get six DBs out there and rush seven. Maybe get the ball out of his hand quicker, you know? And it sucks because he did that against Arkansas, right? We rushed seven. Four dudes didn't bring the quarterback down, and the ball then went for another 25. You know, I'm over here typing on the iPad, BYU makes a great third down, stop, sack. I'm typing. Then I start hearing the crowd boo, and I'm looking up, and the receiver's like, pass the midfield. And I'm kind of like, I look up, what happened? And I'm watching the replay, and I'm just like, oh, guys. I'm like, and I'm just like, oh, you got to tackle. You, you got to wrap up. Like, even if you hold them by the foot and you just keep grabbing, and the rest of the guys come, it's like, uh, but that's the thing. I, BYU will win on Friday. This East Carolina team, let's just say, is a very good team. They demolished UCF. Don't get it twisted. This East Carolina team, they can do well. They're going to run the football. I mean, everybody's going to run the football. But this guy, he's going to – I'm serious. They got to be very careful dropping eight because he's going to throw the football in the flats. He was like 30 or 37 for like 306 or something. This quarterback can throw the football. He doesn't make many mistakes. If you want this quarterback to make mistakes, then what you did on that second drive when you played man – when you played – um when you blitzed and played man behind it and then you dropped the two safeties – Doing that will get turnovers. Generating pressure up front and then dropping the two deep will get pre- will get pressure on the quarterback and force mistakes. Because as good as a as good of a team as East Carolina is, this game is on the road. But this team right now is going to be very hyped coming in because this team is five and three. This team needs one win to win a bowl game. So in their minds, they're like, "We're beating you on Friday." And if I if I am BYU, if I am Talon Alfrey who you're going to play. If I'm Micah Harper, if I'm Ben Bowart, if I'm Keaton Peely, don't know if we'll see Peyton Wilgar because of the foot injury. Um, if I am uh, Max Tooley, I am basically saying you're not, you're not getting past midfield. You're not. I'm, I am not allowing that. The running back that I got, I don't care what moves he makes. I'm not allowing that. If I'm Jaron Hall, I'm not giving Cody up four targets. That's unacceptable. Not. I'm not giving our leading receiver for the guy, the leading touchdown receiver, leading guy in yards. I'm not giving him three targets on three receptions. I'm not doing that. I'm not. I, I'm going to get Puka going 100, 100%. He's there. Puka's that dude. He's earned that. But Cody Epps has earned that. Agent Zero has earned that right. Uh-huh. You, you, you don't go over and over like that, scoring touchdowns, and that to be to get four targets. Unacceptable. I'm sorry. Um, that, need, that needs to change. This needs to be a Puka Nakua, Cody Epps. You need to use both guys and what you're doing. And I'm not trying to be rude. If if Jaron Hall, and, and I know a lot of people don't really like this. A lot of people are going to really get upset by this. And I mean this in the nicest way. If Jaron is, we, we cannot use, we cannot be so one-dimensional. We can't be. We, we can't, we can't be, we can't be one-dimensional. We can't be. We really need to be able to, um, did I lose you guys? 
no, no, you're okay. good. I thought I lost you. Okay. Um, were, were you so enthralled by like what you're about to say? Yeah. Maybe- my laptop like went went red in the front. Like, wait, did I lose them? Um, uh, we are we, we our football team struggles when we become one dimensional. Now, yeah. understand. Take this with a grain of salt. I'm not calling for J- Jacob Conover or Kay Finnegan or whoever's behind in that regard to come and replace Jaron. What I'm saying is you need to think a little bit. If you cannot use Jaron Hall in the run game, Jaron Hall at that point, to me, just with him being 6'1", you cannot make him just another dude being a pocket passer because he's not. Jaron is known for his running ability. Look what happened against Utah. Yeah, he stepped out of bounds, but that was a 68-yard touchdown if he don't step out of bounds. We saw that, you know, and I get it. He got his ribs messed up against Arizona State. I know that he's kind of been nicked up a little bit with the shoulder. You don't want to get him banked up. But they weren't running him in the beginning like that. Jaron wasn't. He was holding on to the ball. So I think the decision was made, I'm going to stay in the pocket. That's not bad, but it becomes to a point where Jaron fumbled. You can't hold on to the football too long. You have to have a sense as a quarterback, look over and say, okay, it's been four seconds. Guy's got to be coming. You got to get rid of the football and things like that. And he's done that to a degree to the best of his ability. But when Jaron Hall can't run or one dimension, we saw that last year. Yeah. You need to use him in the run game. You see what happens when we don't use our tight ends. We become one-dimensional a little bit. Chris Brooks was with a hamstring injury. We got Isaac Rex involved. They need to do that. They need to use Isaac Rex a little bit more in this game. you got to have – if you're not going to have design runs, then you got to tell Jaron in the headset or Jaron has to know pocket collapses, got to step up. It is my thing. Don't tell me it can't be done. I saw Zach Wilson his last year. Zach, the year before his last year, took a lot of unnecessary hits. He broke his thumb. And Zach knew better. And – I remember Zach talking about an interview. Zach's like, you just got to slide. Next year, what does Zach do? Zach would run, see guys coming. Uh, first down, not worth it. Slap. He'd be, we could beat you on second and six. You have to have the Tom Brady mentality in a way of, we can beat you on second and six. We can beat you on third and four. We got the guys to do that. You got to take what the defense gives you and go from that. But the way BYU is going to win this game is Jaron Hall, first of all, must be using the run game. Or he, when he escapes, when the pocket collapses, he has to escape. You can't just stay there and pocket pass. Maybe you can get away with it against East Carolina before the rest of the season. Boise State's not going to allow that. Stanford's not going to allow that. You have to do that. You need to use Isaac Rex like you did in the scheme-wise. When you when we do play action and we got Isaac Rex, no one can guard us. You saw that against Oregon. You saw that again last week against Liberty. It's very hard to stay with the six seven guy that's going. It's very difficult. And we're, our offense is too good in A-Rod's too good of an offensive coordinator for you to keep up with that one moving the ball. We need Chris Brooks back healthy. We need to run the football. Um, we need Miles Davis. If you don't have someone like that, that won't help. So we need that. And then lastly, we need – because the defense stopping the run is going to be difficult. Two things. You need to get off the field on third down. Oh. And then, you seriously, because you're just tired. You're t- You're tired. And that's the thing. It's not about talent to a degree. You're tired. When they, a team has 16 first downs and you give them 12, you, you're tired. You, you, you don't lie. You're tired. You're exhausted. I know you are because I've been in rugby games where guys keep breaking the line. You're over here like you, you, you're at a point like we can't get one stop or get get a, a push a guy off the line or anything. Like I, I understand that. And then the last thing with that, when you're dropping eight, which they're going to do to a degree, cover Match up routes in zone. Do not cover grass. If you cover grass, we're going to have the same results. Don't cover grass. Here's the thing. Like you said, if you beat me 41 to 34 and our guys were there and you made plays over us, I could sleep at night. I'm going to be angry I lost. I could sleep. I could be like, we gave an effort. 
But when we get beat wide open plays like that, I'm going to be like, ah, this is tough. Uh, yeah. This, this is very tough. And the biggest thing, I don't know what it is, but there needs to be accountability. And we, I believe that Kalani Sitake has done that now. He's like, I need to be I need to be accountable with Elijah. I need to be accountable with A-Rod. I need to be accountable with Jaren. And now, not, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's too late, but that maybe should have been a little bit more of the prevalence at the beginning, but it's hard because when you're winning and until you lose, you kind of lose focus on that. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I learned my biggest W's from winning. I disagree. Once you lose and once you lose two games or more in a row, then you start to think, okay, stuff's not working. But now that the accountability is there, things are going to change. They're going to win on Friday. And then they're going to be, they're going to be Utah, uh, not Utah Tech. Because Utah Tech is you. Yeah, it's Utah Tech. Utah Tech, okay. I was getting those two. two, two. You're going to be Utah Tech. But once you win Friday, that is, and here's the thing, they need to win Friday. Not, And I'm not thinking about for a bowl game. I'm thinking about of guys, if they don't win Friday and you're in the rest of the season, you only beat Utah Tech. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I don't call for people's jobs, but somebody's job's going to be in jeopardy. And yeah. just for like even recruiting, a football culture perspective, yeah. just, from just, a, just from a pure mentality confidence standpoint, I think they just need to like remember we can win. A football game against a and against an FBS team, and like that sounds really sad and pathetic, but I think we just need that right now. Agreed. And like you said, sorry, uh, ECU, you know they can play. They oh beat, yeah, they were a field goal away from beating NC State. They were uh, an extra point away. You yeah, know, yeah, from yeah. really taking this it. team is coming up in like they thinking we finna be bowl eligible. I'm telling you what they thinking. They oh, yeah. gonna be like they gonna be like oh this BYU team we gonna beat them on their turf. That's a good win. I'm telling you. Yeah, and BYU is very vulnerable right now, to say the least. Yeah, uh, from a football perspective. But uh, anyway, this is this will be our last question. We don't uh, we can talk <laughs> about BYU football and and uh, in sports in general. Um, let's uh, and I love I'm a big volleyball guy. I love BYU women's volleyball. I'm friends with a few of them, and you know I hope one day that. Um, the BYU women's soccer team will message me, you know, and uh, and maybe I'll be able to be friends with some of those girls. Um, go out with, I mean, be friends. Uh, but uh, uh, let's let's. You trying to holler at the volleyball team? That's what I hear. <laughs> no, um, but uh, let's talk about BYU. Got to be really tall, Tyler. I don't, I don't know. You got to be really tall. I, I'm, I'm like six two, so. I so that will be like same height maybe. <laughs> you put, um, you okay if they taller than you? You know you're not your confidence ego not gonna be you know. Oh, I've dated some taller. My my yeah I I don't want to say this maybe on air but you know if if she's uh she's taller than me then that that's totally fine you know I'm uh you know I I want I want a queen you know like you know like the <laughs> anyway we'll we'll Basketball. move on yeah 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 and then we'll go back anyway whole other discussion um no if they ever listen to this they, they, they're more welcome to message me but uh let, let's talk let's talk about I, I interview some of them after the game i'll see, I'll see what i can do maybe okay put in, thanks ron yeah no, I, no, I, put, in a, put, put in a good word for i know some of the some of the bower girls so i'll put in a good word <laughs> yeah not only ron is a great guest he's a great wingman so uh we love that but uh yeah, let's. I you said you've been covering BYU basketball. We're also going to be there um, at the blue white scrimmage this tomorrow. Um, uh, Thank you for saying tomorrow, not Wednesday. That really makes me angry when people say, "Yes, Wednesday." So tomorrow, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. I, admittingly, I was about to say Wednesday, but then well, I'm, you caught I, yourself, and I appreciate you because someone said that. Myself. Yeah, Tuesday. So tomorrow, when it was Monday, like oh yeah, yeah, Wednesday at seven p.m. Mountain time. Uh, no, but wait, where can you? I'm on the BYU TV network. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there we go. BYU TV network. We'll we'll give our plug to Jerem as well. Um, BYU basketball. We got a lot of transfers, a lot of new guys. Uh, obviously, we have Foose coming back. We got some RMs, Reggie Saunders, Toulson, Dallin Hall. Hall. We got some, we got some guys that can play. We got um, Gideon George came back. Um, we got, uh, you know, Rudy Williams. Uh, man, we got all these guys, right? Um, even Jackson Robinson, Noah Wal- Waterman. Noah Waterman. This is our last year in the WCC before we go Big Twelve. What's kind of your prediction for this year, and like, what are your thoughts? And what needs to happen so that obviously we're, there's going to be some growing pains come Big Twelve, but what needs to happen this year so that those growing pains won't be as bad come Big Twelve basketball season? I think you're going to see a lot of. <clears throat> I'm not trying to compare the two, but you're going to see a lot of basketball compared to football in a way. Of you're going to see a lot of like, wow, that was a really good play. Oh, this guy's really like. You're going to see a lot of like the Cody Epps. I think you're going to see that from Trey Stewart. Um, you're going to see that from Richie Saunders, Terrence Toulson. You're going to see that from a bunch of guys. I'm like, man, the future looks good. But the high end, because I remember Ben had me on the show, and we have to be realistic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you need to make sure that you keep the expectations realistic. For the expectations to be BYU will be number one in the WCC, you know, oh, they're going to win the conference championship. That could happen, but that's not realistic expectation. Now, for them being on the team, right, and this is their last year, yeah, I mean, if you're not competing for a championship while you're on the team, I agree. So for them saying that, and that that could be a very, very high end of things that could happen, we don't know. But before the season, no, and things happen. If people get injured, things don't go well for the teams, absolutely, that could be an open-up thing for BYU. But top to bottom, this team's very young. A lot of freshmen, a lot of sophomores. I think, again, there's only two seniors on the team. But that's okay because you got a lot of guys. You got a Tiki, like you said, Foose is coming back. Gideon George is going to add a lot. This Rudy Williams guy, man, whoo, he that dude. Yeah. That dude. And what I mean, he is that dude. I mean, he is that dude as in he's coming to this locker room. He's embraced being the leader, the oldest guy, Cougar Nation, and that he's going to take BYU as far as he can go. Mm-hmm. Like Alex Barcelo last year, right? Alex took BYU as far as they could go, which was the quarterfinal of the NIT. Don't know what that is, but Rudy Williams is going to take BYU as far as they can go. And BYU fans, listen to me. You guys need to accept that. You guys need to be happy that there's a guy, think about that, a Canadian guy that came from Coastal yeah. that came and takes us as far as he can. Like, I, I, this team is going to surprise a lot of people in conference. I'm telling you. Rudy Knight, like he nice. He, he can shoot. He can come off the dribble. You got Trey. Mark Pope has talked about immediate availability, so I'm not saying anything inappropriate. Um, but they want to they want to play fast. They want to move fast. They want to. They've talked about disruptive defense. I heard that like seven times. I think in media availability, like last Wednesday, I was like disruptive defense. That's all y'all talking about. And that's the thing because they're quick, man. I went to that first practice that was live on BYU TV. Man, these this team is they are fast in transition. This team is not going to keep the ball. They're not going to – they're going to play half court to a degree, but this team is not going to play. If they get a steal or if they can push the ball, they're going to push. They're going to move up and down the court, which is great because you got guys like Richie that can come who can pull up. You got guys like Tanner. Trey can attack the basket. 
Rudy can attack the basket. Spence can shoot. You got Fusu going on the floor who can pass, who's gotten great. They have a lot of good guys on this team getting who can post up. They're not going to be a team that's going to play slow. They're going to play very, very fast. But like I said, before the season, having them ranked at three of tie for third in the preseason, I think that's a good place to start. Upside, this is kind of how I look at it. I've looked at the schedule. So we have the blue versus white scrimmage next Wednesday. Uh, this Wednesday, not next Wednesday. Um, tomorrow. Next, tomorrow. Not Wednesday. Tomorrow. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah, that's what it is. The next Wednesday, <clears throat> pardon me, we have um, you have the exhibition versus uh, Ottawa, yeah. Arizona. That's yeah. the one I'm thinking of. God, then yeah. coming on up on that after the week after that, Monday, <clears throat> November 7th, the first home game begins because um, against Idaho State. BYU is very fortunate this year. Besides the games that you have to travel for, for the USC, the Tennessee Butler, the Creighton, the San Diego State, yeah. all these people who are ranked to really good programs, I looked at the schedule. High end, this team could make the tournament. Coach Coach Fennell said our goal is to make the tournament like it is every year. Of course, when the WCC, a tournament. This team, I looked at the schedule. The entire non-conference of which they play, they play everybody at home. Weber State is at home. UVU is at home. Utah is at home. Uh, we don't play Utah State, I believe. Um, all these other games are at home. Westminster, that one's in Salt Lake. Um, at the Vivian, you know. That's a good squad. They're coming to Provo. Exactly, and, that, and that's a good squad. But we can beat them up in Salt Lake, and I believe we will. But besides the games that we, the ranked team's traveling for, and bes- I added it up. If you lose to um, San Diego, Creighton, USC, Butler, Tennessee, whichever ones it is in those, 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 because that'll be five. And then you lose to Gonzaga twice. Come on, guys, you got to be realistic. It's not You're not going to beat Gonzaga when they return two of their guards and Drew Timmy. And I'm yeah. just like, Timmy, just go to the NBA. Leave me alone. Why do you want to – and he's like, I know, just – it's like yeah. it, he's good. He's got great – he's got great footwork. He won't – you're not going to do well in the NBA because he's very undersized. He's got good footwork, though, and I just hate it because he kills me with that. But mm-hmm. but when you, that – the two Gonzaga losses and you split St. Mary's, you're looking at what? 26 potentially in eight around there, maybe 25. That's a tournament team. And for BYU, you, you, you obviously can't jump the conference in December before you get the non-conference. But for me, if you're BYU, I, I believe you can win all your home games. I believe you can beat UVU, Utah, all those guys at home. Personally, um, not just being someone in immediate bias, if you're BYU, you want to beat them. You really do uh, because you owe some people. Like, I hear that thing. You beat Utah last year, but you owe Utah. You owe Utah. You do. Like, I'm happy for Hunter Erickson and going there. Hunt really wasn't getting a lot of time. You saw the writing on the wall. But you owe Utah. You do. Happy for Cody Burgess. Uh, not Cody. Um, yeah, I think it is it. Happy for him. Happy for him to go up there and be the assistant coach. But you owe Utah. You definitely owe UVU. Um, and I and I think that's what you need to do. You, you need – those are two games. If I am Rudy – I've already talked to Gideon and Trey and whoever else and been like, this is a no, not only are these in-state rivals, but we owe them. We owe them because two of our guys and our coach went up North. Um, one guy who said he was medically, medically retiring two of them went up there. Wow. He followed this, he followed his coach who recruited him. So I get it. And then we owe UVU after last year of what happened because we lost, we lost the guy that went to Utah and we was mentally shocked. And then we didn't hear free throws late in the game. Wow. We owe, we owe both those guys. The schedule, I'm telling you, you can go look at it. They're all at the Marriott. The Rock, I'm telling you, it's very hard to win in there. We sit up in the box. I've walked past pregame. It's loud. It's loud. You, 
Like the rock will show up. I'm telling you, everybody, people are gonna be there even over Christmas break. I'm telling you, it's gonna be it's gonna be more packed than people think. You need to win all those games. Cause if you can come out of conference just losing these games that you were on the road or you going to Vegas for, you know, traveling, the Battle of Atlantics, if you just are losing those, you're gonna be pretty, sitting pretty well. If you can come out three, four losses, eleven, twelve wins, this team it can make a make a lot of noise. But it's going to be really tough because you got a lot of young guys. It's right. gonna be coming down. Can they execute in the end? Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard because you're gonna have teams, you know, like Wyatt Lowell. Do you guys remember Wyatt Lowell at all? Yep. Wyatt Lowell plays for Portland. Wyatt Lowell can hoop. Man was averaging, I think, like 18 last year when he was playing at snow. That's gonna be a tough game for BYU. Like, that's not gonna be a pushover. You know, these West Coast Conference games are gonna be battles. A lot of people are like, why are we not blowing them out? It's gonna be the young talent. That's all. Not not that they can't do it. The young talent in regards of Trey has not played a full game beginning to end. Nothing against him. They're all in very good shape. But we all know once it starts going fast, pacing things, it takes time to get your feet under you, things like that. But I'm telling you, this team, at best, this team will be second at first. Excuse me. Will be third. But I believe this team is going to shock a lot of people. They're going to be in that two and three range. Not to see how it plays out, but they could be in the two and three range. They were, they They very well could be in the sixth range, you know. I don't think we're going to have injuries like we had last year, but I think that experience. But I know football season going out, but basketball season, I'm very excited for it. Very excited for the upside. And like Mark Pope said, the best part is they're young. This this, this, this group of guys can be together for three to four years. Mm-hmm. And I think this, this year right now, what you're looking for mainly is development and confidence for the Big 12 because you only have one year. Yeah. And you're going to have a lot of guys who are going to be sophomores, a few guys, juniors. Colin Chandler is going to come back when guys are like junior, senior-ish, depending unless he comes back early to start, which I don't know if Colin will do. I think Colin seems like the guy he'll go the whole way. Um, you need to make sure that guys are prepared. Like I'll work on development. And, two, and to me, three guys that are – yeah, your three guys that need to be like developed completely are Foos, Atiki, and Trey Stewart. Because those guys next year, you're going to have to rely a lot on them a lot and they're gonna have to carry a lot of the load and like a tiki him being that athletic and jumping out the building a tiki's going to man when we was at that practice i feel bad for whoever the other black trainer was because a tiki kept baptizing him like three or four times and i'm just like relax bro like hold on this is one of the guys that i know you practice and play against, but like man and like see boom boom just done. i was he he i'm excited for him and i asked mark pope this last year interview and i was asking players mark pope said i'm worried about guys not playing defense i'm sorry if you if you are below six six and you go to the paint and the tiki's waiting for you, it's gonna be a great night for us. It's gonna be a long night. You're gonna be on the highlight reel. I'm gonna write about it. I'm gonna put a picture about it. You just you're not going to, you know, like and the tiki got that he got that dog in him. You saw he got kicked out of the game against uh, San Diego because he blocked the dude. Right, for sure. He yeah. blocked the dude and the dude shoved him and the tiki got mad and got up and straight shoved him back. And I was like, yeah. and see, I, I'm not saying. I condone that, but I like that energy. Yeah. And, and the problem is people pick on us, right? I remember, and I'll say this quick thing about BYU sports. People think because we're BYU, you know, we won't do anything. And it sucks, right? Because we're BYU. So if we don't do anything, we're sorry. If we do something, oh, look at the church boy. It's like, it's a lose-lose regardless, right? And I hate to say this, but I'm going to go more on the side of let it be a lose-lose and show them that we're not soft. Now, nah, I'm not saying I condone going out there and fighting. But for me, right? You shove me, I'm going to shove you right back. And if the ref come over, hey, I wouldn't have shoved him if he didn't shove me. 
Like, we need that energy. So when Atiki did that and they won that game and it, like, fired Tijan and Alex up, you know, we need that. We need guys to play for each other, be there being so young. And this team, I'm going to be honest, this team is very chippy. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if there were some technicals during the season because Gideon's going to talk to you. Trey's going to talk to you. Rudy definitely going to talk to you. This team's going to be very physical and it's going to bug a lot of teams because the guard play, they're going to apply so much pressure. And I'm just, I'm so excited just to watch this team play, like to watch the poetry become emotion. Because at one point, these guys had like four or five dudes in the locker room this summer. And Trey and Foose came out of a workout and Trey was like, that's a third of our team right there. And I was just so sad because um, I was so sad because I saw a team who was so unified at the beginning. And because injuries happened, I saw everybody start blaming Mark Pope. And Mark Pope's a very good coach. Yeah. Started seeing people transfer. Oh, we don't have faith in him. And I'm so grateful that Spencer Johnson and Trevor Nell spoke up. Because you can't really say it when you're in the media. You can only write and try to be unbiased and not speculate too much. But I was over there like, I'm grateful that they came out in that. Because Spencer posted on his Instagram. I believe in Mark Pope. I believe what we have at BYU is a winning place and a winning culture. I'm not going anywhere. We needed that so much because that set the tone for the rest of these guys coming in, you know, because we didn't have that. I'm going to be honest. I don't know where they would be because when you only have five guys coming back to a basketball team, if it was just us three and two other guys, you know, that were injured, that's not ideal for anybody. No. That's not ideal in any situation. And that, and I'm so grateful that Trevin and Spence stuck with that. I know we're not going to have Trevin for a little part of the season because he has a little bit of a shoulder injury. But if it wasn't for that, the I don't know if we'd have got the guys that we got. Because like I can say this too, because this is out there. Nor Waterman and Jackson Robinson got their their transfer waivers. If you guys haven't heard, um, for the people, so they will play this year. They can they can play. They will play. Um, those got uh, put through. If it wasn't, if it wasn't for that that tone being set, like I said, the morning. The waivers now all of us coming together. This this team is going to be able to defend so much. And for the first time, we might see it. I'm I'm pushing for it. I'm pushing this narrative. You guys might see for the first time in BYU history, because Mark Pope talked about it. We have the first, I think, Chinese born player on our team um on BYU, which they've never had. Last year we had an all non-LDS starting lineup. For the first time in BYU history, I think you're going to see a all black starting lineup which makes me so happy. And I don't, and I've never looked at it like, wow, that could happen. And I look at it, you're going to have Rudy Williams potentially at the one. Well, he will be at the one, not even potentially. Trey Stewart potentially at the two. Jackson Robinson at the three. Gideon George at the four. And Foose at the five. He's already said that we're going to be small. And I think it's just, it's it warms my heart that BYU one is going in this direction, but it's showing you the impact of who Mark Pope is. Yeah. Um, just to BYU. It's like, I don't know if you guys went to Midnight Madness, but we had a Nigerian flag. We had a Canadian flag. Um, we had a Moroccan flag. Like we had so many different diverse flags. Like we, you know, we had I'm just watching, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Like, it's just good to see that. And I'm not not like, I'm not trying to like not football's harder, right? You have so many guys on the roster. But to be to have this much impact and for him, like he's embracing the coach. He's like, we welcome that. Last year, BYU basketball is on the up and up. Um, it's going to be really good. Colin Chandler is going to help. I just hope now the recruiting they get more because you're entering the best. I hate to say it. Some people talk about football. He, like, oh, yeah, but, I mean, this is the best basketball conference in America. Um, yeah. 
this year is going to be a good year development, but I'm excited for them. Um, BYU football will finish nine and four. I'm a guy that I like to take hot takes. BYU going to win the rest of their season out. I'm going to say that. Um, I know a lot of people are like, wait, didn't you just say I gave critique mints? I'm saying if you don't execute, I believe that you will. But I believe BYU football will execute. They'll go nine and four the rest of the way. Um, they'll win their bowl game. Um, I believe we're going to play against a Mountain West opponent in the bowl game because we're uncontracted this year. I don't know if people know that. Uncontracted means we ESPN can put us wherever they want. Um, and then I believe BYU basketball is going to surprise a lot of people. They're going to be sitting at two third range area. They're going to beat same areas. They're going to split. Um, they're going to win a lot of their home games at home. So I, it's going to be a good year. And the women's soccer, they play Santa Clara Saturday. They're in second place. They're going to beat Santa Clara on Saturday and take number one of the WCC and then go on to finish out um, and then win the WCC. So BYU sports, we had that point where we at the top. We lost a lot of people. It's the weird rebuilding stage now for a lot of us. Well, not for a lot of us, but a lot of the teams. I'm not playing rugby anymore. i got to stop saying that. Um, and so it's a lot of re- rebuilding stages for a lot of the teams, but I think a lot of these teams – they're surprising you. You're going to see a lot of draws, a lot of close games, but that's only for a year, maybe two, because after that, they're going to be there. So BYU basketball, I hate to say this. People don't like that I say this, but I, I love basketball season more than I love football season just because there's so much attrition in football, um, and a guy can step up and it maybe not won't hurt you as much because there's 11 guys. But with basketball, like 15 guys. You lose one guy. We saw what that did last year. It really can affect you. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, And uh, Santa Clara women's soccer, that's, that's, I mean, the top ranks. uh, They were, I mean, uh, the BYU, BYU women's beat them last year in the semi semifinals. Right. And so they're, Mm -hmm. and that's no, that's a game. That's, that's a good squad. So again, shout out to my, to my girls there. Um, (laughs) But uh, Ron, thanks so much for, for talking to us about your career. Um, kind of about uh, your experience, uh, not only in the media, but here at BYU, uh, coming from Chicago to deep South Mississippi on your mission to now Provo, Utah. Um, we loved having you on and uh, wish you the best. We'll, uh, yeah. we might see you. We probably won't have the media tags or anything, but we might see you. I don't know if they're going to do that. They haven't gotten back to us yet. <clears throat> it's a blue versus white scrimmage, so we'll see. But you know me, if I'm never a media guy, I love to sit in the stands and be a fan. Wow. Um, no, you'll, you'll see us in the nosebleeds for sure. So, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, it's open to the public guys. Y'all got to get a good seat. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Well, we'll yeah. We'll I, I say nosebleeds, but, yeah. uh, no, we'll, we'll, that's we'll how get... it was for Midnight Madness. I mean, for the media, they had us in a good spot, but it was, I mean, it did it different. It was a lot of people high up this time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they wanted as many people on the court. I don't think they liked that from last year, from, from what I'm thinking. Uh, but it'll be it'll be super fun and yeah we'll uh well we wish you the best of luck ron thanks man yeah appreciate it was definitely i have to get you guys uh i have to slide you guys some food passes for free food when uh when the game starts depending oh, on you're gonna have to do that for sure man 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 we're gonna have to stop <laughs> the recording you. right now so that yeah people don't get that inside intel so <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, hey this is how i look at it right if i don't use it and i want to give it away i'm totally entitled for that right because yeah. i I eat I eat some most of the time before the games. The games are late there at seven. Sometimes I eat before six. And the biggest thing is just right, like if I'm coming from class and then I also work at the NTC if I'm coming and then I have that, you know, I just don't want it to go to waste. You can save it. Um <clears throat> and my wife, she doesn't come to the football game. I mean base um basketball game, she'll come to football. Yeah. If she doesn't come, then you know, and I'm like, you're not hungry, then <clears throat> I don't want to, you know, waste it. So 
Yeah. And then, I mean, it's what, 10 bucks of food? No one's going to care if they, if I take popcorn and then ate it. It's the same if I eat it or you eat it. Right. They, they yeah. cost they cost the garbage disposals because we put food away. So uh, yeah, you say the garbage disposals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but awesome. thanks so much for coming on, man. Till next, most time. definitely. Yeah.